evening I started in on uh, what do I'd call a series uh, works of the flesh versus the fruits of the spirit and made it through uh, the works of the flesh there uh, tonight I'd like to pick it up uh, a little bit brighter note is uh, these things are the fruits of the spirit uh, but we'll start uh, anyway we'll start in verse 19 so you get the contrast uh, Galatians chapter 5 uh, verse 19 says that now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do uh, such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, Now, that's an important phrase there at the very end of it, uh, which shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that they uh, don't go to heaven. Right. There's a difference in uh, in uh, going to heaven and inheriting the kingdom of God Uh, means that you can uh, lose out on rewards by participating in the works of the flesh. Uh, I think uh, was. Uh, pretty eye-opening to me, and and uh, I'll say a benefit to me whenever I heard a, a pastor preacher explain that thing uh, like this. Uh, in the same way that you can't lose your salvation, uh, you can't lose the rewards that you've already got, but you can lose out on future rewards by participating in the works of the flesh. You can lose an opportunity to lead people to Christ uh, when you find yourself on that list of those things right there. You can lose out on an opportunity uh, for the fruits of the Spirit by participating on the things on that side of the list. And uh, that to me was, uh, was real good to know because if, uh, in the same way that somebody believes uh, that you can lose your salvation, well, you think about what kind of anxiety you've got if you believe that you can lose your salvation. You believe you lose it over anything, right? And then you're wondering your entire saved life, whether or not you're really saved or not. Well, that same thing ends up with us as Christians when we look at the judgment seat of Christ, thinking, man, there's no way I'm going to have anything at the judgment seat of Christ uh, if my bad works and my bad motives can take away that which I've already tried to do with the right heart. Uh, And what's being explained there uh, is that you can lose an inheritance. You can lose out on an inheritance that you would have had. All right. Now, uh, starting here in verse 22 here this evening, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord God, thank you for this evening that you've given us. And Lord, thank you for the things that you've written here. Uh, Lord, to be a benefit to us. And Lord, how to serve you better. Lord, how to love you better. Uh, how to live the Christian life better. Uh, Lord, I pray that we take heed to the things that you've written here. It may be a quick and easy list to read. But Lord, help us to take some time uh, and examine what it is that you've written. Uh, Lord, that we may closely look at ourselves. And uh, Lord, see where we can... Uh, have an impact on our own lives, God, and Lord, uh, change some things. Uh, these things I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So you see love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. There's a lot of stuff there. I don't profess I'm going to get through all of it tonight. Uh, but love, love is the first thing on the list. 
Love is something that uh, that the liberals, both secular and Christian, have done a decent job of destroying, uh, destroying and perverting uh, since they've been able to get their hands on it. You say, how did uh, Christians destroy it? Well, you take one verse, and it's a good verse. I'm not saying it's not a good verse. I wouldn't tell you that it's, I mean, it's in, the, it's in the Bible, and that's this, is that God is love, right? Doesn't the Bible say God is love? Okay, now what your liberals and Christians have done with that verse is twisted it so that they've made that uh, all that God is. God is just love. Well, if you say that God is love with the exception of any other quality that he has, then you've turned God into a pervert. You think about uh, if all God is is love, what you're asking him to love. No, the Bible has a lot more to say about God than just he is love, right? Uh, He's a consuming fire. He's a jealous God, right? He's a lot of things besides love. Now, is God love? Yeah, I wouldn't take anything away from that. Uh, You got John chapter 3, verse 16, because God is love, right? You uh, You got the blood because God loved, right? There's a lot of great things because of God's love, but God is a complete person, and God has uh, all the attributes a person can have, except he has them perfectly. And so when you start to uh, find yourself getting off to one side or the other, you get imbalanced. And there's a real problem within the ecumenical, evangelical, whatever you want to call it, Christian movement today, of getting off to one side where God is just love and nothing else, with the exception of all other things. Listen, uh, if you go over to the book of Proverbs, you know what you'll find? I believe it's probably around Proverbs, well, I won't try to guess at a chapter, uh, but you've got, you got a list there uh, where it says, these seven things doth the Lord hate, yea, eight are an abomination to him. Six and seven. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. I was close. <laughs> All right, but what does that tell you? Is that God is love. There's things that God loves, but God is also able to hate some things. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Is, is the Lord capable of anger? Absolutely. Is the Lord capable of wrath? Absolutely. Is the Lord capable of jealousy? Absolutely. All things that you're capable of, the difference between you and God is that He does all those things perfectly. Right. He's never wrong when He's angry. He's never wrong when He's jealous. He's never wrong when He hates. He always hates the right thing, and He always hates it the right way, and He always hates it the right amount. You and I, we mess that thing up. But I just tell you what, just as much as we mess up hate, you and I mess up love. And you'll love the wrong thing, and you'll love it too much, and you'll love it the wrong way. See, that's, I, I know that I, I kind of come back to it quite a bit, but uh, that sermon that was preached on, the, on the, the spirit, the soul and the flesh, comes back to that. Is that if you're led of the spirit, you'll love the right things the right way. But if you let your flesh lead, you'll love the wrong things, the wrong amount, the wrong way. Love is a good thing. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You ought to love. But you ought to be careful what it is that you do love. You know, we say that uh, if I ask you, where do you love? You say, well, I love with my heart. Well, you know the verse over there in Jeremiah. Jeremiah warned you of it. He said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Yea, who can know it? 
So can you trust your own ability to love? I dare say not. You shouldn't trust your own ability to love. You and I will love the, the wrong things. Uh, what we call love, you know what the Bible calls? In just in a lot of cases, you say, well, man, I, I just love her. Right? I'm just, a, you talk to a young man, you know, you're, you're dating a gal, tell me about her. Well, I just, I love her. Uh, I'll tell you what, most young men don't know anything about love. And if they were being honest, uh, you'd find out that they don't mean love at all. What they mean is lust. Oh, you lust her. Let's use the right word, right? You talk to a young gal and she's got a boyfriend. She's just head over heels about him. You know, well, do you love him? Well, I'll tell you what, most young people don't know anything about love. Right? The Bible will tell you some stuff about love. Uh, you know, I got an opportunity to sit with a couple of couples and, and do some marriage counseling. I said, listen, it's nothing against you. It's just that there's going to be a lot of things about love you don't understand until uh, after you've been married a little bit. Right? I, <laughs> you, I don't know if I can, certain things I guess, but... Uh, <laughs> will, you, will you give me some grace here? There's some things about love that you don't learn until everybody stops holding in their farts. <laughs> what do you mean by that? It says a crude way of putting it. No, I mean, there's some things that you won't learn about a person until they start, uh, stop putting on airs. Until they start being themselves. That's when you find out who somebody is. And you don't find out who that person is while you're dating. You don't find out about, a, about that person until long after, sometimes long after you've been married for a little while. You don't figure out some things about love. I hope you can get back, to, back from the ridiculousness here. But, um, but love has been co-opted. They've taken it to mean physical intimacy. Or acceptance. A, a whole series could be preached to cover the aspects of love that the Bible describes. Uh, I like John chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. Say, what does that say? Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's love. That's what the Bible says is love. It says there's no greater love than that, than somebody will lay down his life for his friends. And you know what? The Bible says this. I believe it's uh, over in Proverbs. It says, uh, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. What's it say? It talk about over there in Proverbs, talking about Jesus Christ. And that verse right there. You have those two things tie right into each other. That Listen, nobody ever loved you more than Jesus Christ loved you. That's something I have to remind myself of whenever I'm praying that somebody gets saved. You know, it, Say, boy, Lord, I really pray so-and-so uh, gets saved. And you know what I remind myself of? I remind myself that the Lord loves them more than I love them. Don't you know that the Lord wants them saved as much and more than you want them saved? You know, I think it's okay to pray that way. I mean, listen, just the realization that, listen, uh, I don't love them more than Jesus Christ loves them. You, you think I want somebody saved more than Jesus Christ wants them saved? Man, listen, Jesus Christ laid down his life for them. It was his blood that was spilt for them. I didn't bleed for them. I don't know. Sometimes we get this, uh, this thought because they haven't gotten saved yet that maybe God doesn't want them saved. I don't think that's not the case at all, folks. Nobody wants them saved more than he wants them saved. The problem is, is that they've got free will. And you still have a responsibility to give them the gospel. 
Right? The Lord still uses you and gives you an opportunity. The problem is, is the Lord isn't going to get in the way. All right. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 14. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Uh, it's living and dying for an expressed person or purpose. The Holy Spirit in a believer uh, causes you to love. Exodus chapter 1, verse 17. It says, but the midwives feared God. And did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men child alive. Why? Because they love God. They hazarded their lives for those children because of their fear of God and their love of God. Listen, uh, the right kind of love, uh, that's the right kind of love showed towards your fellow man. Romans chapter 13 verses 10 through 14. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You want to fulfill the law, you have to learn how to love. But not how the world tells you how to love. You better get in that book and find out what the Bible says about love. Verse 11, And that knowing the time, that now is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and whatness, not in strife and envy. God's people and God's word, uh, like you'd see in John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and shall be done unto you. He loves them in the proper order. Now, the Bible uses another word. Uh, a lot of people, they get their, you know, Christian uh, merchandise and things like that and get a lot of things messed up. And uh, one of these places is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, to most people out there, well, that's the chapter on love. Well, kind of. But it's more than that. See, the Bible, your King James Bible, doesn't use the word love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's not the love chapter. You know what it is? It's the charity chapter. But that's important because charity is not just love. Not the, I mean, listen, uh, not the love that the world talks about. Charity is love in action. I don't mean, you know, trying to uh, write something off on your taxes by saying you gave it to a charity. Right? That's what a lot of these... Uh, professional athletes do. You know, there's probably not one of those Kansas City Chiefs that doesn't end up having their own charity. Why? Because they don't want to pay out in taxes. You think that they're just the kindest hearted people you've ever heard of? I kid, I, not on your life, man. Where, where are they? Boy, they, they give so much to charity. What, what generous people. Yeah, they gave it to a charity with their name on it. <laughs> So they wouldn't have to pay taxes. That's not charity the way the Bible describes it. What is charity? Charity is love in action. That's, you know, uh, that's putting the, the rubber to the road. That's putting the pedal to the metal. That's real love. That's showing love. All right, so what does the Bible say about this showed love, this charity? Right? You see it all through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, Though I speak uh, with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He says this. He says, listen, if tongues is a thing and uh, somebody can speak in tongues, that's nothing compared to having charity. 
That's nothing compared to what? Compared to having love that you can show somebody. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that, uh, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. You know, that ought to give you at least some hope, Christian, that you can still do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because most of us probably don't have enough faith to move mountains, do you? But you know what you can do? You can have charity. And you know what Paul says? He says that charity is bigger and better and more important than all of this other wild, flamboyant, showy stuff that everybody wants to be able to do. Man, everybody wants to call down fire from heaven, don't they? I mean, listen, you had John and James, man, the sons of thunder, Boandries. You know, listen, which one of us is going to sit on your right hand and on your left? Right? We want to, I mean, we want to be a spectacle. We want to be the big shot. We want to be the guy that everybody talks about. I mean, that's, that's the human nature. That's the carnality that's in us. And Paul says none of that's anything compared to being charitable. That's doing what? Showing the love of Christ to others. How does that reveal itself? Well, I'll tell you what, it reveals itself in a lot of little ways that nobody knows or sees. You want to put love in action? Then pray for the people in this room. Do you love them? Okay, then pray for them. All right, uh, verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. They said, man, you give up everything. You can, go to the, you can go down to the soup kitchen or the food pantry and spend all day, every day out there just handing out everything that you've got. For though I bestow all, uh, all my goods to feed the poor. Listen, you, we've got a ministerial alliance over here that's got a great big food pantry. But I guarantee you, listen, of all the ministers working the food pantry, it didn't come out of their pantry. Right? Paul's taking it and saying it a step further. Say you had the food pantry over there and it wasn't some government deal. It was your food out of your pantry and you gave everything that you got to the poor. Man, I mean, the, the Unionville Republican would be falling over themselves to write articles about you. KTV would be down here with their cameras to, uh, to interview you and say, man, what are you doing? Man, I'm giving all my goods to the poor. I'm giving everything. And man, somebody else would say, man, that's not enough. You know what? Uh, I give my body to be burned. I mean, I, listen, I put my whole body on the line to die for somebody. Notice what Paul says. And have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Somebody can do all that stuff and just to be a show. Just to get the, the, the television cameras down here and the newspaper over here. And he says, listen, you ought to have some charity. Notice what uh, verse 4 says. This is the stuff that everybody likes on their Christian, you know, uh, Curtain, you know, their uh, oh, shower curtains and all that kind of stuff. Charity suffereth long. But they'll change it. They'll change it to love. Verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. How do you know when you've got charity? Well, look at what it isn't. It suffers long. I'm reminded of, uh, I'm reminded of Eliza. I forget. I don't remember exactly what the scenario was, but she had to wait on something. And she told Caitlin, and she says, I'm being very long-suffering. <laughs> oh, aren't you charitable? <laughs> Charity suffereth long. 
I'll tell you what, that's, uh, that's some good stuff there for your marriage right there, isn't it? It's just being able to suffer some things. Say, man, I don't know if I can put up with this man. <laughs> All right, we'll just suffer him then. You say, we've been married a long time. Good, then you've suffered long. <laughs> the Lord sees your charity, sister. It says charity is kind. You know, there's a difference between being kind and acting kind. You ever meet a kind person? I mean, somebody that wasn't putting it on, that wasn't fake. Man, it's hard to fake kindness. You know why? Because it shows up on somebody's face. Charity envieth not. It's not saying, boy, I... What if I'm charitable? I, maybe I'll get this in return. No, that's not charity. Charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't brag itself up. You know what charity is like in that way? It's like the Holy Spirit. Because you know what the Holy Spirit is like? The, you want to be uh, have a sure bet that somebody is not full of the Holy Spirit. It's this. is that the Holy Spirit never points at itself. The Holy Spirit never says, look at me. You know what the Holy Spirit does all throughout the Bible? It says, look at Him. Look at Him. Look at Him. Look at Him. Look at Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. And so you know what you find out about charity? When somebody has real charity, they don't ask anybody to look at them. Man, charity and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. It vaunteth not itself. Then you begin to look and say, well, I'm a very loving person. You know what? The problem is, is that as I begin to look at what the Bible says about love and charity, I find that I don't fit as well into that category as I wish that I did. And you know what? It's good to read it. It's good to read. Hey, listen, the fruits of the Spirit love. I can just gloss over that. No, why don't we study it for a little bit? Why don't we look at what else it is? And you know what? You begin to find yourself separating from it. And that's not a bad thing, you know why? Because then it gives you something to work on. Say, man, that's not the kind of love I've shown people. The kind of love I've shown people has this undercurrent of pride, has this undercurrent of envy, has this undercurrent of covetousness. That if I show love this way, I'll get it back in return. No, that's not what it is. It's a humble thing. It's not vaunting itself. It's not tricky I've used this illustration before, but I'll tell you what. um, uh, Charity is not telling somebody that they look nice in the hopes that you'll get the compliment back that you were fishing for. Right? You ever go fishing for compliments? And you're like, maybe they won't know I'm fishing for a compliment if I compliment them for the thing that I was really hoping they'd compliment me about. That's why I tell Barney he's got a nice truck. I just keep waiting. Maybe Barney will tell me I have a nice truck. <laughs> no. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> it's not puffed up. Charity is not puffed up. It's not braggadocious. Listen, if you got to brag about your charity, it wasn't charity. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. I tell you what, there's a lot of stuff that calls itself love out there, and that's all it is is unseemly. It's gross. It's nasty. It makes me want to puke. It's unseemly. You know, there should be nothing about your love or your charity that somebody has to wince at. 
seeketh not her own, is not trying to get its own, is not easily provoked. Are you easily provoked? Man, sometimes I am. So I, no, I, if you guys won't admit to it, I'll admit to it. Listen, there's sometimes I'm easily provoked. I'm short-tempered. I'm tired. I come in and, you know, one of the kids needles me about something. They're little needlers. They inherited it, honestly. And you know what? I get provoked. And Caitlin's got to be, would you just, just calm down? Just calm down. We're sitting at the dinner table last night. And Ezra asked for a drink. And I'm about to come unglued. You know, I was like, if I get you a drink, I said, you'll drink that drink and you won't eat your food. And then you'll complain. you say, I can't eat all my food. I got my stomach full of drink. I better not. I don't even want to get you a drink. And Caitlin's like, just calm down, man. You know what? I'm easily provoked. I need, you listen, that's the reason you need to be in that book is to find yourself in the wrong place. Because you can't work on yourself. It, you know, listen, life is easy if you won't be in that book. Because you'll begin to think you're pretty good. You know what I find in that book? I find I'm a jerk. I find I'm no good. I find I've got to work on some stuff. I find you need to relax and be kind. That even the stuff that people think that you are, you know what you are. You know what your motives are. You know what your politics are. I say that's what that stuff is whenever you're, you know, you, you're doing something that looks like one way on the outside, but you're trying to get something. You've got an agenda. You're politicking. How about this one? Thinketh no evil. Should we have the altar call now? Charity. Thinketh no evil. Man. I got a paper sent back for a revision the other day and I wanted to wring somebody's neck. Man, what a thing to be upset about. Somebody didn't like your paper? Get over it, dude. <laughs> Fix what they want fixed and send it back. Man, I thought evil of somebody. I didn't even know. They didn't sign their name to it. I'd looked them up online. <laughs> Man, don't you wish that you could find yourself and look at a verse like that and say, oh, man, praise the Lord, that's not me. But I look at, I mean, you thought we were in the easy stuff, didn't you? Man, he got through all the works of the flesh and now he's onto the fruits of the spirit. Man, it's going to be a cakewalk from here. Man, he's preaching on fruits of the spirit and man, just jabbing me. I'm jabbing myself, man. Why? Because I wish, I wish I had that fruit. And you'd be easy to think, man, I'm a pretty good old boy. I'm a pretty loving person until you find out what the Bible has to say. And you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not what I thought I was. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Can we at least amen that and say, man... Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Can you rejoice in Jesus Christ? Okay. At least find something you can celebrate in. You didn't mess it all up, did you? This book is truth, isn't it? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Can you celebrate the word of God? Can you rejoice in that book? The fact that God put it down in writing for you? 
Aren't you glad that you've got something better than a voice from heaven that you could forget and manipulate and question? You've got a book right there. You ought to be able to rejoice in truth here tonight. The hard part is, is can you rejoice in truth when that truth, man, hits you right in the face and points its finger at you and says, thou art the man. Beareth all things. Aren't there some things that you just can't bear? Man, Lord, I don't know that I can take it. No, all charity can bear all things. Believeth all things. I'll tell you what, there's some stuff in that book that's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Can you believe all things? How about hopeth all things? How about this? How about endureth all things? Talk about enduring. You know what the Bible has to say? It says, as soldiers, right? It talks about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Some things are hard to endure, aren't they? You know what you need? You know what you need to ask God for? Lord, I need more charity. Why? So that I can do, endure what it is that I have to endure. You ever stop and think, you know, man, Lord, I don't know that I can endure this. I don't know that I can take this. Uh, this is more than I can bear. You ever talk like that? You ever feel like that? Maybe you wouldn't say that with words. Maybe you wouldn't tell somebody that. But I look at verse 7 and say, man, if it's charity that does this, what I need, God, uh, just like how the book of James says to pray for wisdom, doesn't it? Does it say pray for wisdom in the Lord, as the Lord giveth to all men liberally? You ever stop and think maybe you needed to pray for charity? Because, Lord, if charity can endure all things, if charity can bear all things, Lord, that's what I need. I need that right there. Hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And what is it? It's love. But it's not just love. It's love that has been put to the task. It's love that has been put in motion, in action, and has it accomplished the task. It is not just love. Go First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. You ought to follow after it. You ought to look for it. You ought to desire it. You ought to pray for it. First uh, Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians 16. First Corinthians 16, verse 14. It says, let all your things be done with charity. Well, what does that include? I don't know. It says all things. That seems like it means all things. 
I don't know. You think about some of the things that you have done. Did you do it with charity? Did you do it with, I mean, what did the Bible say about it? It said it was kind. It said it vaunteth not itself. Suffereth long. Is that how you've done things this week? Charitably? Maybe not. Did you endure all things? Did you bear all things? Is that how you did things this week? Because I'll tell you what, most of the time we don't think about doing everything that we do in love. But when you start to look at the definition of charity, it doesn't leave anything out that you can't do that way. And you find out, man, love is more than that. Love, Man, you could do anything in love if you did it the right way. You could do anything in charity if you did it the right way. But we think, man, I, I, I went to work. Right? I taught kids to do math. Certainly there's no need of love there. No, there's an absolute need of charity there. And a way to teach it. And a way to, uh, to talk to kids. And a way to present information. And the right heart about it. You know what I've had to learn as a teacher? How to be kind. Can I say that I'm kind every day? Absolutely not. Can I say that there's uh, that I've always gone throughout the day without vaunting myself? Can I, boy, can I say that I've been a teacher that's been long-suffering at all times? Absolutely not. I'll tell you this, is that that charity is necessary in the classroom to say, it, to say it's necessary on the, on the factory floor or wherever else it is you are. That charity is necessary over at the sale barn. Uh, it's, the charity is necessary over at the grocery store. Charity is necessary whenever you study. The charity is necessary when you're at home with your kids. Can you do all things in charity? Well, the Bible says that you can. But have you ever considered that you needed to? Let all your things be done with charity. Go to Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You know what it's, the way that Paul writes that in Colossians chapter 3 verse 14? He says, put it on. You know why you have to put it on? Because it's not part of you. Right? You know the reason I have to put on my socks every morning? is because they're not built in. Charity is not built into you. You're going to have to get up in the morning and put it on. And the same way that you can put it on, it's just as easy to take it off. You know how Paul writes that? It's just like how he writes uh, the full armor of God over in Ephesians chapter 6. Put it on, put it on, put it on, put it on. And here he gives you over in Colossians, he gives you something he didn't put in Ephesians. He says, you ought to put on charity. You need charity as much as you need a shield of faith and a helmet of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness and feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. You know why? Because if you put on charity, some of the other stuff would be easier to bear. You'd have an easier time picking up that shield of faith if you'd put on the charity first. You might have a better, easier time wearing the breastplate of righteousness if you had on charity, if you had some love about you. 
This is not uh, something that's, I would say it's probably not even all that common amongst our stripe of Christians. Why? Because we're fundamentalists. And we're the letter of the law. And you know what a lot of fundamentalists, fundamentalists, fundamentalists have become? They've become Pharisees amongst Bible believers. You know what we haven't become known for because we've tried to distance ourselves from it? We've not become known for our love. We've become known for our strict doctrinal stance. Amen. I think you ought to have a strict doctrinal stance. But it should not divorce you from love. I think that you ought to be dispensationally correct. But not at the exception of being kind. I think you ought to know that book inside and out, forwards and backwards. But I also think you ought to be able to endure all things and bear all things. I think you ought to have some long-suffering. It's not all just letters and laws. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 and through 28, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. What does it say in verse 25? Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. You ought to love like Christ loved. Through the Holy Spirit, you women are enabled to love your husband. That's Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, uh, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. In Romans chapter 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That's Romans 5, 5. Because other ways are impossible. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not the result of meditation. Or based on some fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man principle. It's not something you find after getting drunk or tripping on drugs. It's not connected with any remarks or opinions offered up by news shows or sitcoms or dramas or talk shows on ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, BBC, TBS, or Fox. Where the Spirit has filled a Christian, there is a love for lost men and women. Psalms chapter 126, verse 5 and 6, it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth, uh, uh, goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Charity beareth all things. Love causes a sincere desire to see lost men and women saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a demonstration from the heart. It's not just the mind. Folks, do you have Christian love? Do you have the charity that you thought that you had? I said, man, not that you put it that way. Well, how about we stop right here and take some time to pray? Dear Lord God, 
Lord, thank you for this this time and this evening and Lord, your book. Lord, thank you for being clear on this thing of love. Lord, I pray that you, Lord, fill us up, God, and that, Lord, we'd find in ourselves more love than what we thought we had here tonight, God. Lord, I pray that you'd move amongst your people here tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd put a sincere desire in our hearts, God, to Lord, deal with you honestly and Lord, consider, consider this thing of love, consider this thing of charity, what it is versus what we've been told it is. It seems like sometimes we read through the Bible and we just assume that we're good. We're assume, we assume that we're okay. We assume that we have fruit until we consider what it actually means to bear that fruit. Lord, I pray that you'd work on our hearts. Lord, help us not to assume that we have something and that fail to attain it. Lord, we ought to desire to have the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I pray you'd fill us up, God, and Lord, give us a true love. Lord, a love not like what the world has and shows and thinks. But Lord, I pray that you'd give us the love of God, the love of Christ. Lord, a holy love. Lord, a biblical love. Lord, that we can take that with us wherever we go and whatever we do. These things I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.